Thank you very much for coming. I hope you had a pleasant day and that the traffic did not make your lives too miserable. This is the third night in the series Freedom from Fear 2006. What was our subject on the opening night? What every woman should know about God or about Jesus. What was our subject last night? Who has your back? And our subject for tonight is why is God unemployed? Why is God unemployed? And believe you me, in the lives of millions, perhaps billions, God is out of work. And we have to find out why it is that He is out of work. All those who are here for the first time tonight, may I see your hands? Quickly. God bless you. God bless you, hands down. Those of you who are here for the third consecutive time, may I see your hands? All right. God bless you as well. And all of you, thank you for coming. I think I can say with certainty and surety that God will bless you for your presence here tonight at this meeting. Let me encourage you during the day, invite your friends. Tell them to come, not to hear me, but to hear the word of God. Can you say amen? It is not the man primarily, but it is the message. Yes, the man counts to some degree, but it is chiefly and primarily the message. Having said that, let's bow our heads again. Loving Father in heaven, I would think of the words of David in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 2, where he said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. Lord, I'm asking you with all my heart, put your words in my tongue, and put understanding into the minds of your sons and daughters who are gathered here before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why is God unemployed? How many of you have ever submitted a resume when you applied for a job? May I see your hands? A resume, you may call it a CV. We all have had the experience of writing resumes, preparing our CVs, trying to make the very best impression we possibly can on a prospective employer. And I believe you have had the experience I have had in producing a CV or resume that makes us appear as just one step below God in our accomplishments and our abilities and our talents and our skill set. To use organizational language, we produce the very best CVs we possibly can. We write, we research our backgrounds and we express, we write down how much managerial experience we have had, whether it be at IBM or McDonald's. And we dress it up in such a way that the impression we desire to convey is to the employer, I cannot afford to miss this person. This person must become a part of my workforce. And we print it on the finest paper we can find. We go to Kinko's and have them do the printing. We don't write the name with a pen. We have it typed on the outside and we deliver it in the hopes that the impression made by the CV will be irresistible. Do you know God has a CV? God has a resume. Because God has applied to the world for a position. 
a position for which very few people see fit to hire him despite the spectacular contents of his CV. Let us take a look at God's CV, God's resume, as we continue with the message, Why is God Unemployed? Go to Genesis chapter 1. Now, I was told earlier today that I need to give you more time to find the Bible verses. How much time do you need to find Genesis 1? Verse 1. Do you have it? The Bible says, in the beginning, say it with me, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That is the summary statement of God's resume. Now, our resume is we have a summary statement, what it is you want at the top. Then we elaborate, we itemize. God's summary statement is at the beginning of his resume, his CV, his document to impress us about his eminent employability is in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Now we may say, well, God, can you give us some details as to how you did that before we make a decision whether to hire your services or not? God said, fine. In six days, I made everything you see. The first day, I said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. That's God's first recorded accomplishment in his CV. Then he goes on to the second day when he made the firmament. And the third day, vegetation. The fourth day, the sun, the moon, the stars. The fifth day, the creatures of the sea and the birds of the air. The sixth day, the land animals, mankind. Then God rested. And God says to this world, this is my resume. This is my curriculum vita. On the basis of this, do you regard me as employable in your life? Tragically, most people say no. Let me repeat that. Most people say no to God's application as Savior in their lives. Now, why is it people find it so difficult to trust God, to trust the contents of his resume? God does not require of us blind faith. If he required blind faith, the Bible would not begin with Genesis 1, 1. It would simply begin with, He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's the reward of them that diligently seek him. A statement on faith. But the Bible begins with a statement of action, a statement of works, a statement of divine activity. Then it elaborates the details of that activity, and the, the, the message, the appeal is on the basis of this. Can you include me in your life to direct you, to guide you, and ultimately to save you? Genesis 1-3 is really one of my favorite verses. It says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. 
And throughout God's resume, this statement recurs. Genesis 1-3, and God said, let there be light. Genesis 1-6, and God said, let there be a firmament. Genesis 1-9, and God said, let the waters under the heavens. Genesis 1-11, God said, let the earth bring forth grass. Verse 14, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. Verse 20, let the waters bring forth abundantly. Verse 24, let the earth bring forth the living creature. Throughout his resume, he said, he said, he said, so that in reading this resume, you come away with the impression that God's ability and abilities apparently are concentrated in God said. I got one amen. I can wait for two. How about ten? God's abilities, I say, are concentrated in the expression and God said. Now, this does not mean that God loves to babble. We love to talk as people, and that's good. We were made in the image of God. There is a story in the Bible of an animal talking in Numbers chapter 23, Balaam's donkey. People talk, but God's talk differs from ours in that God's talk uniformly and invariably produces results. God's talk, God's word. The operative element of his resume. And I must repeat that. God said, God said, God said, God said. How does God do? He does by saying. Now that may seem like a contradiction, but it isn't. Not God did, God did, God did. God said, then something happened. And so the key phrase in God's resume, resume is, God said, now, the elaboration of God said, the details of God said, are designed to build in us unshakable confidence in God said. Do something for me. Take out your wallets. I'm sure you have wallets. A wallet need not be full to be a wallet. There are empty wallets like mine and there are full ones like yours. All right, you have your wallets? Let's test the power of our word. You see, there's a God said and there's a I said. Now we will say, let there be a million dollars in my wallet. Are you ready? Just raise the wallet just this high so I can see, just as high or your purse or somebody else's purse. All right. You've got it? Now let's say it together. Let there be a million dollars in my wallet. Now you check. While I put mine back without wasting my time, you check. Is there anything else in there? No. Why? Your word and my word have no power. We can talk. We cannot back it up. Are you listening to me? We're talking about why is God unemployed. We are good at talking human beings, not good at backing up what we say. Because our word has no power to create. God said, let there be light, and there was light. That tells me something about God's word. Now, faith, which is the only way to please God. Do you agree? Yes, the Bible says, He that cometh to God must believe that he is. Without faith, it is impossible. 
The way to please God is faith. Faith cometh how? By hearing. And hearing by the word of God. You cannot separate faith from the word of God. And the first thing, we, the second thing we learn about God, the first thing is he created. The second thing we learn is that he created using his word. Now, after one reads Genesis 1, how can you possibly doubt the power of God's word and still look God in the eye? And yet millions today cast doubt on the power, the efficacy of God's word, even though the very first chapter of the Bible is a detailed explanation of how powerful the word of God is. And that power is found from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Why is God unemployed? Why does no one believe God? Why does no one invite God into the life to do for them by the same word? There is no minimizing of the power of God's word. When God comes into your life, God has power and that's it. He doesn't have large power on Monday and greater power on Sabbath. No, God has power and that is it. And the power in Genesis 1-3, let there be light, is the very power in 1 John 1-9. If, you forget, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is power in that verse. As there is power in Genesis 1-3. Let there be light. And there was light. Because God's word is powerful. And on the basis of the demonstrated power of his word. God says I am applying for the position of savior. Lord and sustainer of your life. Let's listen to Jesus Christ as he summarizes this resume again in John chapter 10, verse 10. Let's go there. And we're continuing with the subject, why is God unemployed? We shall read a statement from the lips of Christ. He summarizes his resume and he also summarizes the devil's resume. And there are two resumes right next to each other. For purposes of comparison. And contrast. You have John 10. Verse 10. From the lips of the very person who said let there be light. The Bible says. The thief cometh not. But for to steal. And to kill. And to what? Destroy. I am come. Now that's the devil's resume. He is symbolized by the thief. The thief cometh not. But for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, but I am come that they might have life. That's a summary statement of the resume of Jesus Christ. The same one who said, let there be light. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now why would a man or a woman not choose Jesus? When you say no to this kind of resume, you say, you say yes to I am come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Because you must choose one or the other. That's the way God functions. Many years ago, the, the nation of Sweden was neutral. That's no longer the case. 
in God's system, there is no such thing as neutrality. You pick one side or the other. Either you, or you accept God's resume, I am come, that they might have life, or that they might have it more abundantly, or you go with the devil's resume, who, who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You and all your generations, if you can. Let me say a little more about God's word as we continue with the subject. What's the subject for tonight? Why is God unemployed? God does everything by his word. Let me say that again. God does everything by his word. Let's take a look at some of the activities of God and see how he carries them out. How did God create? By his word. By his word. The same word most people reject. The same word in which most people will not believe. Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, we've said that many times. What does it say? And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Let's go to the book of Psalm 33. We shall read verses 6 and 9 as we continue with the subject, Why is God unemployed? In San Bernardino, Colton, Fontana, Loma Linda, you name it. United States of America. Why is he unemployed? When he has all the qualifications to do the one work he longs to do, that is the work of a Savior and Lord. Psalm 33, verses 6 and 9. I still hear the pages turning. And that's good. Psalm 33, 6 and 9, giving you time to find it. Do we have it? By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Verse 9, for he what? Spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Meaning, when God commands something, standing fast means you cannot undo what he has done. He commanded, it stood fast, by his word. Let's go to Psalm 148. We're looking at how God creates. We're trying to establish that the evidence suggests that God operates through his word. Psalm 148, reading from verse 1. Do we have it? All right, no, someone said no. Okay, did the person who say no, is that person willing to say yes now? All right, Psalm 148, reading from verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise ye him all his angels. Praise ye him all his hosts. Verse 5, let them praise the name of the Lord. For he, what? Commanded and they were created. By the command of God, the heavenly beings were created. God creates through his word. Let us see how God saves. James chapter 1. Who wrote James? Tell me something about James. He was the brother of Jesus. Jesus had two brothers who wrote books in the Bible. Who was the other fellow? Jude. The book right next to Revelation. James chapter 1 verse 18. James is sometimes called the Proverbs of the New Testament. Very practical book, full of wisdom. The Proverbs of the New Testament. James 1, 
Reading verse 18, James says, here's the brother of Jesus. So he must know something about Christ. Of his own will begat he us how? With the word of truth. What does the word begat mean? To give birth to, which is the new birth. You must be born again. That occurs through a person receiving the transforming word into the life. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. You are holding this powerful word in your hand that transforms the hearts of men and women. And yet a power people will not believe. We need more biblical evidence that God saves through his word. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. Reading verse 23. 1 Peter 1 verse 23. Who was Peter's brother? Andrew. You know, whenever Jesus went off to private places, he would take Peter, James, and John. Why exactly, I don't know, but Christ had his inner circle. Peter, James, and John. And there's nothing to keep you from being a member of Christ's inner circle. You can choose to be a part of Christ's inner circle by constantly spending time with him. What do you say? Amen. Choose to be close to Christ. 1 Peter 1, 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the what? Word of God that liveth and abideth forever. The word of God lives because it is alive. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The word that said, let there be light, is the word that transforms your heart and mind. How does God create? By his word. How does God save? By his word. How does God sanctify a man or a woman? John 17. John 17. We shall read verses 17 and 19. How does God sanctify? John 17 verses 17 and 19. Do we have that? This is Christ speaking. He's praying to the Father. He said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Whatever comes out of the mouth of God is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Verse 19, Jesus says, and for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified by the truth. Jesus was sanctified the way you and I are sanctified by the word of his Father. How does God create? How does he save? How does he sanctify? This word can be trusted. A word that creates, a word that saves, a word that sanctifies should be a word we can trust. Therein lies faith, putting your full weight on the pillar of truth. Believing it will not move and you will not fall flat on your face. And you won't. But let's pile up the evidence in defense of the power of God's word. How does God cleanse away the spots from our souls, our lies? How does he do that? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Reading from verse 25. Ephesians 5, reading from verse 25. 
you have that? Ephesians 5, reading from verse 25. Paul writes, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and do what? Cleanse it. How? With the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. What is the method God employs to bring you and me to the place where we are without wrinkle, without spot, and without blemish? It is through the application of the creative, divine, cleansing word of God. What do you say? This word can clean up my character. It creates, it saves, it sanctifies. This word, it cleanses. Let's go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. We'll read verse 9. And I'm sure some of you probably already know what verse I'm about to read. Psalm 119, verse 9. 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. The shortest chapter is also in Psalms. I don't recall exactly what it is. 118 or 117, I think it is. What's the shortest verse? Where is it found? John 11, 35, yes. But we're in Psalm 119, verse 9. Here's the question, wherewithal shall a young man, wherewithal is a fancy old English word, means how. But I like old words. How, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways by enrolling in midnight basketball? By joining Little League? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Now there are dozens of youth programs in cities, inner cities, outer cities to try to get young people straight. The Bible says there is a way. And it will work in San Bernardino, Loma Linda, Colton, Fontana, San Francisco, Barbados. Let the young take heed to God's word. Young and old. Come on, old folks, say amen. amen. <laughs> young and old, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed. Heed doesn't mean just listen. Heed means having heard you act. Come on, say amen. amen. Are you opposed to acting on God's word? No, of course you're not. Heed means to hear and to act. Cleansing power of God's word which no one trusts, it creates, it saves, it sanctifies, it cleanses. How do we know what our hidden motives are? You know, many of us, have you ever found yourself hating someone you had no good reason? Too ashamed to say yes? <laughs> when you were in high school, didn't you resent someone even though the person had done you nothing? You could not understand, why don't I like that man? The word of God can reveal the hidden contents of our hearts. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. As we examine with wonder the power of God's word, on the basis of the power of his word, we ought to trust God and have faith in God. And thereby employ him as our Lord and our Savior. Hebrews 4, verse 12. The Bible says, I still hear pages, 
Alright, are we ready? For the word of God is what? Quick and powerful. Quick means alive. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And of the joints and marrow. And is a discerner or a judge of the thoughts and intents of the heart. If you want the intents of your heart to be exposed to you. Put God's word into your heart via the mind. And you will become aware. Something is not right in my heart. Now you have to decide, will I act on the power of God's word? Or will I ignore the findings of God's word and continue my merry way in sin and iniquity? God's word, once it gets in, it conducts a work of exposure. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Things you yourself don't know, God's word will reveal. I say again, we ought to believe God's word. Why? It has power to create. It has power to save. It has power to sanctify. It has power to cleanse. It has power to expose the contents of the heart. Do you know right from wrong? Do we know right from wrong? We think we do. God's word is the method by which we sharpen our ability to discern right from wrong. Hebrews chapter 5. Reading from verse 8. As we continue with the subject, why is God unemployed? And the reason is, people do not have faith in God's word. They do not believe that God can do what he says he will do, despite the recorded evidence of the power of his word. Hebrews 5. Reading from verse 8, of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, Though he were a son, yet learned the obedience by the things that he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that... Say that word again. Say it again. Most people hate that word. That's why a lot of people will not serve Christ. You see, they want Christ to save them, that Savior. But Christ becomes not just Savior... He instantaneously, the moment he becomes Savior, he becomes Lord. You understand? There's no gap where you have a vacation from his Lordship. The moment he becomes a Savior, he becomes a Lord. And Lordship requires obedience. The Bible is clear. He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 11, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. Now Paul says, look, there are many things I want to tell you about Jesus Christ, but your head is hard. You don't grasp it. Your head is hard. Verse 12, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, he have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. Strong meat means solid food spiritually. The prophecies. It goes on to say, For everyone that useth milk, verse 13 of Hebrews 5, is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. How long have you been serving Jesus? Forty years? Are you still on milk? He's a babe. Verse 14, that's the key verse for us. As we examine the power of God's word to teach us right and wrong. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age or mature. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern. Both good 
and evil. Now, the discerning of evil is different from seeing evil. All people know murder is wrong. You don't need to discern that. An atheist can see that. There are some levels of right and wrong that only become apparent through the use of the power of discernment. Now that capacity, that ability to discern wrong from right only comes when a person develops the mind on strong meat, solid food, tough Bible study. And so many Christians walk around saying, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Everything is right. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with liquor on my birthday? What's wrong with a cigarette when I get a promotion? What's wrong with that? They can't see what's wrong because the mind, the senses are not trained and exercised by solid, deep, rigorous Bible study. The Word of God in us has the ability to give us the power to discern, I say, discern. A blind man can discern right and wrong because discernment is through the eye of faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. A Christian who doesn't study God's word is a Christian who's about to help the devil do his business. Because the person can't see right and wrong. You may be helping the devil not knowing it. You don't know right from wrong. You are not into deep and solid and serious and meaningful Bible study. A church member on the side of the devil. How does God create? By his word. He saves by this word. He sanctifies by the word. He cleanses our spots by his word. He shows us our hidden motives by his word. He shows us right and wrong by his word. How does God heal us when we're sick? Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. Matthew 8, verse 16. As we continue with the subject, why is God unemployed and there is no reason that makes any sense to explain his unemployed status Matthew 8 verse 16 do we have that the Bible says and when even was come they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils and he cast out the spirits how with his word with his word stay in Matthew 8 go to verse 5 Go to verse 5, and we shall begin reading. We're familiar with the story. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, and grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Jesus healed by the word. He created by the word. He saves by the word. Sanctifies by the word. Cleanses by the word. Reveals hidden motives by the word. Teaches right and wrong by the word. Heals by the word. He forgives by the word. Luke seven forty eight. The woman who wiped his feet with tears after washing them with, the, uh, with oil. Anointing them with oil and drying them with the hairs of her head. And Jesus said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. The word was spoken, and the spoken word made the shed blood of Christ, not yet physically shed, but shed by promise, effective in the woman's life. The word forgives. You're not forgiven because God thinks about it. You're forgiven because speaks it. 
Thy sins are forgiven thee. And by the way, God can forgive your sins right now. You can leave this place forgiven. I mean forgiven before the sermon is done. If you realize you need forgiveness, don't wait for the sermon to be finished. You can drop dead during the sermon. You say where you are, Lord, I have seen enough evidence in this message. Your word is powerful. You've said you'll forgive. I am sorry for what I did yesterday as I sit in this hall. Father, forgive me. And if you're God of your word, I receive that forgiveness by faith. Walk out of here forgiven. Don't come unforgiven and leave unforgiven. How does God forgive? By his word. How do we resist temptation? By his word. Matthew chapter 4. As we continue with the subject, why is God unemployed? And there's no good reason why, other than sin controlling many people's minds. Why is God unemployed? We're going to Matthew, Matthew chapter 4, reading from verse 1. Do we have Brother Matthew? Chapter what? Verse 1. The Bible says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward unhungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. By the way, when the tempter came to him, never go looking for the tempter. Let him come to you. Is that funny? No, it's not. Too many of us, we go looking for the tempter. By the places we go, the late hours we keep in the wrong company, we go looking for the tempter. And when you go looking for the tempter, you will find him. The tempter found Jesus. And that's fine. Let the devil find you. Let him find you in Bible study. Let him find you in prayer. Let him find you at freedom from fear. Let him find you giving out food to the poor. Let him find you doing God's work. Don't go to the tempter. Let him come to you. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written. And what is written? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The devil brought this temptation and Jesus confronted him with the same thing you have in your hands, in your lap, and back at your homes. This. There is no other power that the devil respects. Because the power of the word is the very power of God. Can you say amen? So when Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, quoting from Deuteronomy 8.3, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, the devil knew it would be useless to ask him twice. So he tried another temptation, which was just as silly because Jesus was about to use the same defense. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of the city, of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, What? It is written. Not, you know, somebody said, and I read in the Galilean Gazette. Mm. When he said it's written, he meant my father said. Come on, say amen. My father said, thou shalt not tempt him. Don't be reckless. 
Don't jump out of a plane for no evangelistic reason and expect God to open your parachute every time. Man shall not live by bread alone, and thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up in an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. We resist the devil. By the word. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 and 9. 1 Peter 5 verses 8 and 9. And tonight I want you to make a response with the cards you have. It is not enough to hear God's word. We must respond. 1 Peter 5 verse 8. Do you have that? Be sober, be what? Vigilant. What does vigilant mean? Sleeping at the post? Eyes wide open. Be sober. Be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9. Whom resists how? Steadfast in what? The faith is that which Jesus and the apostles preach. The word. Whom resists steadfast in the faith? How does God create? By his word. How does he save? By his word. How does he sanctify? By his word. How does he cleanse the spots from our characters? By his word. How does God reveal right and wrong to us? By his word. How does he reveal our hidden motives? By his word. How does he heal? By his word. How does he forgive? By his word. How do we resist temptation? By his word. This. And Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor. When he said that, he didn't mean a nine to five job. That's not the labor he had in mind. Those laboring with the burden of sin, sins past, sins present, those laboring with Habits that they find impossible to control, far less to break. Jesus says, look, you've read Genesis 1, that's with me. Now, if I can say, let there be light, and there was light, can I not speak victory into your life? The answer is yes. If I, by a word, can create the heavens and the earth and by the same word can destroy them. Can I not break the bonds of your particular addiction, whether it be drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, or eating? When Christ says, come unto me all ye that labor, you can almost hear him say, there is no need for you to live a life bent over under the burden of sin. I will give you rest. That is the word of Christ. And that word, I will give you rest, is as good as let there be light. And there was light. 
Jesus pleads and begs and beseeches and appeals and importunes us, let me work in your life as a savior. I know how to transform. I know how to create. I know how to cleanse. I know, says Christ, how to heal. I know how to reconcile. And I know how to make people whole. Then Jesus says, if you don't like my resume, here is a list of references of people whose lives I touch. Here's a harlot called Mary Magdalene. Not only a harlot, but a demon-possessed harlot. It's bad enough to be a harlot, to be demon-possessed and a harlot. Jesus said, I restored her. And her life changed so radically, I gave her the honor of being the first person to see me when I rose from the grave. God says to any prostitute, talk to Mary Magdalene. Let her tell you what I did for her through my word. Jesus says, there's a fellow called Matthew. Yes, the same fellow who wrote the book. First book in the New Testament. Longest of the Gospels. He was a thief. Robbing people. That was his business. And Jesus says, listen man, you're in your business, you rob people. You rip them off. You overcharge them. You won't honor your refund policy. I can change your heart. You come to me. And I will give you a heart that is so changed, you become a businessman or woman who prefers to suffer a loss than to be guilty of one iota of business dishonesty. I can change you, says Jesus Christ. And I will do it if you will only believe my word. Talk to Matthew. Jesus talks to a man who is high up in some business organization. And he walks all over people, treats them badly like rubbish. Jesus said, look, in the Old Testament, before I was called Jesus, I had a struggle with a man called Nebuchadnezzar. That man was so mean, I almost made him an animal for seven years in order to save him. I know how to break hard nuts, says Jesus. If you think you're tough, give me half a chance with you. I will break the tough outer shell and turn you from a nutcase to a reflection of my glory. Because my word has power to recreate you, to sustain you, and to cleanse you. Jesus says there's a fellow who loved to fight, he and his brother. Violent men, they were members of a gang, James and John. They were known throughout their territory as the sons of thunder. They talked loud and they fought all the time. They had tempers this short. They met me. Jesus said it took a little work. <laughs> but I changed them. How? I got them to trust my word. Talk to Mary Magdalene. Talk to Matthew the thief. Talk to Nebuchadnezzar the despot. Talk to James and John. And the sin is about to walk away. Jesus says, wait a minute. If you don't have any friends who are murderers, tell them, talk to Paul. 
The sinner says to Jesus, Paul, you mean the guy who wrote all those books? Jesus says, yes. He was bad? Oh, yes. Jesus said he would kill people or have them killed. Same thing. He tried to destroy my work and he was good. One day I saw him, I said, look, I want that man's zeal. I want his energy, but I don't like his direction. Jesus said, I met him on a highway, two lanes. He was on one, I was on one. And I crossed over into his, knocked him off his horse for his own sake. I hit him so hard he was blind for three days. In his blindness, he lost sight of himself and saw me. And all the murdering instincts of that man under the cleansing power of my word began to vanish like a stain in the presence of Clorox. And now that man is in history as the most powerful preacher after me, says Jesus. All those New Testament churches, Ephesus, Thessalonica, the church at Philippi, he raised them up. I know how to change a murderer, a thief, a despot, a prostitute. How I did it by my word. And Jesus says, I can change you. I can transform your life. And I will do it by my word. Because the word that said, let there be light, is the same word that will cleanse you and heal you and restore you. I am sure you have heard of numerous stories of people whose lives were so dramatically changed that their former acquaintances found it difficult to believe that this was the same person. But when a man is born again, he really is not the same person. You see, the word of God is so powerful, my friends. There are some things it cannot do. Now that sounds like a silly statement. It has so much power, there are some things it can't do. Here's what the word of God does not do. It does not improve people. It transforms them. Many people come to Christ to be improved. They say, Lord... I have this spot here, that spot over there. Just remove them. The rest of me, fine. I need improvement. And Jesus says, no, no, you need transformation. And the way Jesus does that, improvement simply means you go to a house, you come to this place and you paint the stage, remove these spots, and you change the curtains, and you uh, put some flowers back there, and something to beautify it. That's improvement. What the Word of God does it takes on the shape of a bulldozer and comes and bulldozes the entire place and with brand new materials imported from above puts up an entirely different structure not recognizable to the former occupants of this one. This is what God's word does. It transforms. It rebuilds. It is not in the business of improvement. We can improve ourselves without God. And many people have. There are people who have given up smoking without praying. Given up drinking because they were tired of it, taking all their money. They give it up. But you cannot become spiritual outside of the transforming power of God's word. 
You cannot be a child of God by your own efforts. It is the work of God in response to your determined, your decision. I want my life transformed. My brother, my sister, you didn't come tonight by accident. You were brought by the Spirit of God. And you must leave with the Spirit of God's work in your life. God is applying for the position in your life as Savior and Lord. Don't disappoint Him. Hire Him tonight or renew His lifetime contract. Let me say it again. Hire Him tonight on that card. Here's how you hire God. You take that card, you say, Lord, I give myself to you completely. You renew his contract for life by saying, Lord, I recommit my life to you. Particularly for those of you who say, Lord, I give myself to you for the first time. I want your name because I want to pray for you. I want those cards. Hire God as Savior and Lord tonight. Do what God did. He wrote the commandments once. Moses broke them. He wrote them again. God believes in writing. Be like God. Write. I hire or give my life to Christ. And I choose tonight with the little faith I have to exercise it in the transforming and the saving power of God's word. You see, God is not first concerned with how much faith you have, but what you do with the faith that you have. Can you say amen? If you have this much faith, God says exercise this much faith. How much faith do you have tonight? If it's this much, God says give me this much. If you have this much, God says give me this much. Use this much and this much to hire God as your Savior and Lord or to renew His contract in your life for a lifetime. Write it now. While you're writing, those of you who will say, Father, thank you for this message. Thank you for your word. Come into my life. Change me. Take charge. Would you stand quickly and show God you're serious? Come in. Take charge of my life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, the Bible says in Luke 18, 27, the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. We cannot save ourselves, but you can save us. In the name of Jesus, with heaven and earth as our witnesses, we place our lives in your hand, exercising whatever faith we have. Lord, accept this gift of ourselves. Make us yours, transform us, and use us to reflect your glory, we pray, from our hearts. In Jesus' name and for his sake, let all God's people say, Amen and Amen. Let God work in your life. Do not leave him unemployed. God bless you. We shall see you tomorrow night at what time? 7 o'clock.